people get to the point where it's like, you know what? Call me Hamas then, you know? Call me an anti-Semite. Then. So, <laughs> like, Jesse Brown crazy is really the biggest victim of all this when you think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He lost his mind? Is that... It seems yeah. like it, yeah. He gets to use his Canada Land platform and all the work that everyone else has done for him. Yeah, he burned it. He burned his card. He, he just burned, burned the whole card. thing down. Yeah. And it's he not even his book. work. I've never listened to Canada Land. I don't, no, I don't, me neither. I don't know what that is. Me neither, but... Like... <laughs> so this is going to be a little bit different. This is an editorial about anti-Semitism. I've been asked to stop talking about anti-Semitism. And if I don't, Canada Land's partners and advertisers might cut ties with us. I've been told that I could lose everything. And we've already taken losses. Dozens of supporters so far have canceled their subscriptions. And the most common reason given is, well, they don't say that they're canceling because I've been talking about anti-Semitism. They say they can't support Canada Land ever since they learned that Jesse is a Zionist. Zionist. It's not a word that I remember using to describe myself, but I do know where they got the idea from. It was after I started talking about anti-Semitism. That's when people started calling me a Zionist. Zionist is a word that means very different things to different people at different times, but the people who have been calling me a Zionist, they tend to be pretty clear about what the word means to them. Max called me a multi-millionaire Zionist. Shirley called me a Zionist Nazi. And Mike called me a Zionist who agrees with slaughtering children. To them, and to a growing number of people around the world, Zionist means terrorist. It means baby killer. And that's what they've been calling me after I started talking about anti-Semitism. Not, not everybody went straight for the Z word. I, instead of slapping that label on me right away, some people decided to investigate me first. Podcast producer Sam Fenn said that if I want people to pay attention to anti-Semitism, he would need some information first. Can I acknowledge whether I care about what Israel is doing in Gaza at all? It would be helpful, he said, to know where I stand. After all, as uh, Davide Mastracci, the editor of The Maple, noted, since October 7th, Jesse Brown hasn't said a word condemning Israel's genocide in Gaza. So others put the question right to me. Do you condemn Israel for the slaughter and genocide of the Palestinian people? And when I didn't answer those questions, people figured out a workaround. They started directing their questions to my staff. One of them was a former Canada Land colleague, who asked one of our current hosts, will you pull support from Canada Land because of Jesse Brown's refusal to condemn Canadian media's complicity in genocide? Another guy suggested that perhaps Canada Land should be added to the boycott and divestment list. And then a prominent activist called out a bunch of people who work here by name and told them, your silence makes you complicit. So my team here at Canada Land My understanding is that a lot of them didn't care for that too much. 
I don't know. Maybe at some point it doesn't even matter if what people are saying about me is true or not. You know, if your boss is called a genocide supporting child murderer enough times, I could see how people would start to feel uneasy about standing next to the guy. Or maybe they were worried that it was true. You know, what if it's true? What if Jesse is a Zionist? Listeners have been emailing me to ask me that question very pointedly. People feel like they are owed an answer. You know, they know that it's it's not all Jews are Zionists. Some are and some aren't. So, so which kind of Jew am I? You know what? Before we're done here, I'll tell you. Quick backgrounder first. Uh, I should not assume that just because I've been glued to news about what's happening to Jewish people in Canada that um, that you have too. You know, there, there are bigger things that are happening in the world right now. But in my world, in, in, in my country, in my community, this is what's up. It's bad. There have been multiple shootings at Jewish schools. Firebombings of a synagogue and a Jewish community center. Bomb threats. Death threats. Private Jewish citizens have been having their homes vandalized. These are, uh, I guess, macro aggressions, let's call them. Glaring acts of a very obvious Jew hatred occurring at a scale that I, I don't think we've ever seen before in Canada, at least not in my lifetime. So far, these have largely been acts of, of destruction and intimidation. There has not been a lot of physical violence against Jewish people in Canada. Not yet. All of this just in the last six weeks or so. So why is it happening now? Why is it happening since October 7th? You know, it's happening because of Israel. Jews in Canada are being blamed for what Israel is doing. We're being scapegoated. And, and I want to give you an idea, apart from the news headlines, I want to give you an idea of what that's like to live with. Because it's one thing to read in the newspaper that the amount of hate crimes against Jews is greater than the amount of hate crimes against any other group and that the numbers have never been this high. It's one thing to read those statistics, but it leaves out a lot of important context. I think what a lot of people forget or don't know is that Jews happen to be one of the smaller ethnic minorities in Canada. Just 1.4% of the population here. There's, there's just over 300,000 of us. The Muslim population of Canada, by comparison, is five times bigger than the Jewish population. The black population of Canada, also about five times bigger. So what that means is that when this much hate is directed at a group as small as ours, nobody escapes it. Those synagogues and community centers that have been targeted, those are buildings that I've been in with my family dozens of times. That school I mentioned that received a bomb threat here in Toronto, they received an email that said, many Jews will die here today. Kids in my family went to that school every day. I have a nephew who was physically threatened at his university. Somebody told him that they were going to punch him in his Jewy nose. These kinds of things are happening more and more. It's getting normal. And what it's like to live with that for a lot of people that I'm talking to is that people are terrified. I think that's the point, to terrify people. People are scared to send their children to school. I mean, what is that like if your kid goes to that school where somebody was shooting at the school in the early morning hours before school started? Like, do you pull your kid from school? Those Jews who were brave enough to 
not be intimidated and send their kids to school. Well, three days later, somebody came and shot that school again. I know couples who are taking turns going to synagogue so that if there's a bombing or shooting at temple, their kids won't lose both parents. The thing about being Jewish is that, you know, we pass, most of us. Most of us don't have to be worried that we are visibly Jewish and that we'll be targeted as a Jew until we go to a Jewish place. And there are not that many Jewish places because there are not that many Jews. So when people want to fuck with us, there's a short list of targets. If we want to stay safe, we know which buildings to avoid. You know, And once you get past the most obvious targets, the Jewish community centers and the synagogues and the schools, what's left on the list of places where everybody knows you can find Jews? Well, those are cafes and restaurants popular with Jews, businesses owned by Jews. But those places are getting hit too. Not with gunshots, not with Molotov cocktails, but with angry protests and vandalism in support of the Free Palestine Movement. A recent Boycott Israel campaign called for Starbucks locations everywhere to be targeted by protesters for Starbucks connections to Israel. Now there are of course hundreds of Starbucks locations in Toronto, but the only one that I'm aware of being hit was in a Jewish neighborhood, one of the very few Jewish neighborhoods in Toronto. Happens to be the neighborhood where I grew up and the writing on the window read, genocide. There's another storefront, an indigo bookstore, which was vandalized also with the word genocide just days earlier. That time, the word genocide ran on posters of a Jewish woman's face, which was splattered with blood red paint. The woman was the CEO of indigo, Heather Reisman, and she was singled out, I'm told, because she has a charity for Israeli soldiers. That's why her face and the window of her store were covered in red paint. The thing about that is that that Jewish-owned storefront was covered in red paint on the 85th anniversary of Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass. This was a German pogrom that marked the beginning of the Holocaust. Jewish stores were vandalized and looted. The windows were broken. Jews were pulled out of their homes and their businesses, and they were murdered on the streets. And no Jew was safe from that night on. And so to a lot of Jewish people who know that history, these actions do not look accidental. It does not feel like a coincidence which Starbucks was hit. It does not feel like a coincidence that the Indigo store was hit in that way on the anniversary of Kristallnacht. But I don't know. I mean, it could be coincidental. I really have no idea. What, what the level of awareness is. And I truly believe that the vast majority of people involved in the Free Palestine movement are not motivated by Jew hatred. I think they actually just want a free Palestine and they want an end to what is happening in Gaza. Maybe they don't know about this stuff. So I tried to talk to them. I, I, I drew attention to these actions. I pointed out how they are being experienced by Jews, by their neighbors, how these actions are harming Jews at a time when we are already being terrorized in our communities and homes by outright Jew-hating bigots who the Free Palestine movement is very clear they do not want to be confused with. I said these things. And that's where my troubles began. 
That is the story of how I came to be labeled a genocidal terrorist by hundreds of strangers and a handful of people that I know. And other people did something else. They reached out to me and checked in with me. And that meant a lot at a time when I needed to hear that. But to answer the question they asked me, no, I'm not doing okay. I have been personally threatened, two of them death threats. Those were just in the form of tweets, but one guy got a hold of my phone number. That one felt a little bit different. There was also this one message, which at first I, I thought was just another troll saying similar things to the rest. He said, you're, you're scum, the lowest of the low, the absolute dregs of the sewer. I hope you get yours. I didn't think much of it until somebody told me that I really needed to click through and check out who this guy was. And I found out that he's actually a very popular YouTuber. He, he does these uh, polemic videos that are viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. And so his comments brought about another wave of angry strangers. So yeah, it's been a lot. And it's really insidious because if you let it get to you, if people can hear that in your voice, then you have to deal with a new accusation which is that you're like on tilt, you know, you're taking this personally, you're triggered, and that can be used to invalidate what you're saying when all that I felt like I was saying was stop. Everybody needs to stop. As this was all happening, I, I noticed something. When I talked about the big stuff, those, those obvious anti-Jewish hate crimes, the, the shootings and the firebombings, those messages got very little engagement. But when I talked about the little stuff, the more nuanced stuff, the, the, the incidents where free Palestine actions, I felt, crossed the line, making us feel more unsafe at a time when we really are unsafe. Well, when I talked about that, those were the messages that people got incredibly angry about. This is not anti-Semitism, I was told. This is anti-Zionism. To the people in the Free Palestine movement, it was so obvious the target of these actions was Israel, not Jews. How could I not see that? And they lashed out at me with a kind of righteous certainty that people have when they know that they are not guilty of what they're being accused of. You know, and I, I get that. Like, I think I would know if I hate a certain ethnic group. So if somebody's going to accuse me of having that bigotry, I know for a fact that they're wrong. And, and, and P.S., fuck you. You know, what is your agenda in accusing me of this? Are you trying to shut me up? That is what's been coming at me. That's how a lot of people feel. They know they don't hate Jews. And I believe them. And I don't care. You don't have to hate Jews to hurt Jews. It's happened just like this again and again through history. People get whipped up into a frenzy over some other thing. Something that they passionately believe in and care deeply about. But the force of that rage, it comes down on Jews. Jews have been blamed for killing Christ, for spreading the Black Plague, for murdering Christian children so we could use their blood in our rituals. Communist countries persecuted Jews for spreading capitalism, and capitalist countries persecuted Jews for spreading communism. At this particular moment, Jews are currently being blamed by the far right for an alleged plot to control politicians in order to flood Muslim immigrants into Western countries so that we can replace white people. That's what Elon Musk believes. Now, a lot of the times when this has happened now and in the past, Jews don't even get mentioned by name when these things happen. We are always called something else. It begins as the struggle against communists or against rootless cosmopolitans or against international bankers or against globalists or 
against Zionists. You know, I have read a lot of organizers and leaders in the Free Palestine movement acknowledge that there is some anti-Semitism. They typically will say that there are some people who hate Jews and try to use the Free Palestine movement as a cover for their Jew hatred. I'm sure that that happens, but I'm actually much more worried about people who had no pre-existing animus towards Jews at all, but who ended up doing harm without intending to. I mean, if they don't know this very complicated history about this very small group, how could they know which buttons they're pressing? But how could we not? We know how to speak anti-Semitism. We know how to read this stuff. We know the signs and the symbols. We might know them better than the people who are using them. The references to money, the references to controlling politicians, the certainty that everything we do is part of a plot or a ploy or a scheme as opposed to a legitimate and genuine difference of opinion. The constant invocation of blood. And I know the language of anti-racism, and I know that in every other circumstance, we are told it is not the intent. It doesn't matter if you meant to be Islamophobic. If you say to a Muslim person, hey, maybe you're a terrorist, denounce Hamas, denounce ISIS. If that's how you respond when a Muslim person raises concerns about Islamophobic violence in their community, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible that your intent isn't racist, but your impact sure as hell is. I know in the language of anti-racism that we're supposed to prioritize how racism is experienced by the people who it is harming. It is not the person inflicting the racism who gets to determine and define it. I know terms like unconscious bias, and that when somebody tells you that you are showing unconscious bias, you are not supposed to be fragile or defensive. You're not supposed to immediately deny it. You're supposed to check your unconscious bias. You're supposed to listen. I know these rules, and I see that they do not seem to apply to Jews. I think that it is very hard for a lot of people in progressive circles to accept that an ethnic minority can be privileged and still be the victims of oppression and racism. And the advice I'm getting to stop saying this, to stop talking about anti-Semitism, I, I, I think it's well-meaning. I mean, they're reading the room correctly. People just don't want to hear about this right now. I get it. I could see why people are asking, like, look, this is not about you. I mean, look at the death count in Gaza. Can you guys just take a back seat? Can, can you let that be the focus? We are trying to stop a massacre over there. We are being told to just accept and absorb this blowback, these things that are happening to us. Because as bad as they are, they are nowhere near what's happening to Gazans. And I, I do hear that, and I try to reconcile that, but I, I can't. Because I know that we would not ask that of anybody else. If any other minority, if, if the queer community was being shot at and firebombed and threatened every day across this country, I don't think that people would be asking them to shut up about it because of what's happening in Gaza. If there was a wave of anti-black racism and intimidation, I don't think we would say there's only so much attention to go around, this isn't your turn. I think that the reason why Jews are being asked to be quiet right now is because people connect us 
to what is happening over there. It is because we are being held responsible. And within that logic, the whole notion that this is not a movement against Jews, it's not an anti-Jew movement, it's an anti-Zionist movement, that logic falls apart when you ask Jews to pay the price. The only way that I could accept the idea that I need to turn the other cheek and allow myself to be unsafe without complaint would be if I agree that we as Jews are somehow responsible for what's happening over there. And so my answer to that is that the reasonable amount of racism that I'm willing to absorb because of what Israel is doing is zero. Zero racisms are okay with me. There is no degree of scapegoating that I am okay with. I will allow no amount of blood to be painted on my hands. And me saying these things does not subtract anything from our concern or efforts around the situation in Israel-Palestine. We can care about both things. We have to care about both things. But we do not have the same influence over both things. We are all but powerless here in Canada to have any impact at all on Israel-Palestine. But we have so much power to hurt and harm each other here. We have absolute power to torch our relationships here, to assume the worst of each other, to cast upon one another the worst aspersions without asking questions, to find righteous justifications for ignoring the pain and suffering of one another. And to make it almost impossible to even imagine that there's a path forward for us to even go on talking to one another. We do have that power, and we are using it so thoughtlessly and recklessly. Yes, I'm worried for Jews, for myself, but I'm also worried for the people who are doing these things without knowing what they're doing. I think that they are playing with forces that they don't really understand. I'm not sure I fully understand them. I don't really understand why this teeny group that I belong to seems to be at the center of things historically again and again and scapegoated and targeted again and again. There's a field of study dedicated to this that I don't think has worked that out. But I do know when it's happening. And when I see these young protesters so full of passion and rage out there with their signs about Zionist prophets, out there with their signs covered in blood-red paint. I feel like I'm watching toddlers play with matches. Your Jewish neighbors are watching history repeat itself in a chilling way. We were taught as children that it will happen again, and when it happens again, your neighbor won't care. Your neighbor might laugh. Your neighbor might join in. We were taught these things. We speak this language. We know what a blood libel is. We know what scapegoating is. We know what gaslighting is. We know what it means when people demand that we make denunciations, the loyalty oaths, the purity tests. Am I a Zionist or will I denounce Israel? This isn't against Jews, just some Jews. So which kind am I? Well, I promised I'd tell you. Am I the kind of Jew that Ezra Levant once told me I was when he called me a self-hating Jew who despises Israel and loves Islamism? 
Or am I the uh, genocidal child-slaughtering Zionist that I'm being called this week? Am I a terrorist Jew? Am I a Nazi Jew? Which kind am I? Well, here's my answer. I'll need your help with it, though. I want you to try to picture the kind of Jew who gets under your skin. Picture the kind that really irritates you, the, the, the kind of Jew that you really hate. Okay, you got one in mind? I'm that kind. If you want to email me about this, I'm at jesse at canadaland.com. To support us, go to canadaland.com slash join. I'm Jesse Brown. Canada Land's editor-in-chief is Karen Puglesi. Thank you for listening.